0: welcome to the valley community church podcast and thank you for joining us online today you're about to hear a message from our current series summer in the gospels this summer we're spending our sunday mornings in the gospels which are the first four books in the new testament in each passage jesus teaches an important lesson about what it means to follow him when we read these scriptures it will help us learn more about jesus and how to help us follow him To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy! Brook, we're excited today. We have a guest speaker who's going to be coming to us to, to share God's word with us. His name is Brian Rooney. He serves here on our worship team in various capacities. We're grateful to hear from him. He's a young man who has studied in ministry and in counseling. So uh, please uh, just prepare yourselves for what God's going to speak to you through Brian this morning. Good morning everyone. My name is Brian Rooney and I've been uh, attending Valley Brook for a little over a year now and uh, I've been given the honor of speaking this morning. If My name doesn't ring a bell. You might have heard me referred to as Jenna's fiance or that really big tall guy with a beard that she keeps bringing around with her. So uh, hopefully one of those <laughs> makes the cut. Uh, To give you a little bit of background, I used to work at Valley Baptist over in Avon. I used to work in their student ministry department. I left eventually to go study uh, further at seminary, but also because kids scare me. Um, But also, I received a clinical counseling degree, and I'm currently a children and families therapist working in Bristol. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Clark asked me to speak, and after some discussion, the topic we landed on for this week was loving your enemies. So... That's our topic this morning, so I thought I'd start off by asking, can you think of a harder topic to teach on? (laughs) I mean, like, so many of us have so many very specific enemies or, you know, situations. So, like, how can one possibly do this? Or even, is there a way to possibly do this effectively? Teaching everybody how to love their enemies in a way that would matter to everyone. So I have to ask, if you were given this task of teaching to a large group of people, how to love their enemies, what would you tell them? You know, would you give them a personal story from your experience? Would you give them maybe a book that you found at Barnes & Noble? Or what about maybe advising them to just keep their distance away from them and not have to deal with them, love them from afar and just kind of keep separated from them? Well, if you're anything like me, then that last one hit the jackpot because honestly, that's exactly how I've handled many of my enemies because in essence, I'm keeping them at arm's length so that I don't have to interact with them. And I did this almost so much that when I first came across the teaching that we're going to read today about loving our enemies, I thought to myself, well, I don't really have any enemies. They're kind of all out there. Have any of you guys done anything similar? If you have, then you might look at a topic like loving your enemies and think it may not apply to you. Maybe think, hey, you know, I found a way to handle my enemies. Just leave them be. Let them live their life just away from me. If they want to keep acting the way they are, let them do it. If they want to keep believing the things that they choose to believe in, let them do it, just not around me. You know what? Why not just let them move away to another state or country? Put them all in the same place and let them live that way. Because honestly, I don't need them here and, and, and they'd be happier that way. It would just be better for everybody. Now, again, if you're anything like me, that, while it's a little humorous the way that I'm kind of stating it, it actually kind of sounds like a pretty good idea, you know, because not having to deal with difficult people is easier and definitely less burdensome, and you have a lot less daily stress. And trust me, I'm a therapist. I work with daily stress that people have, and, you know, we try to reduce it. So this sounds kind of like a really good way. Life seems less burdensome. You don't have to reopen past wounds or have awkward Thanksgiving conversations. So is this what you would teach somebody then? If you had a podium like this or if someone came to you from their life and asked, how do I love my enemies? Is this the way that we would do it? After all is said and done, when we look at this kind of way and we've we've heard people talk about this, we've seen people act in this way. Again, I know I do this and I've learned it from watching a lot of other people Is pushing difficult people away what loving your enemies really looks like? When we look at this strategy, what value scream the loudest in these actions? Is love for our enemies synonymous with intolerance and separation? For those of us who follow Jesus, is loving from afar the kind of love we think he meant? And if so, how do you think we're doing as Christians? Those of us who are in the church, do we think we're doing a good job of what we thought Jesus talked about and meant when he said, loving your enemies. Well, I think the best way to figure that out is by going directly to what he said. So there's a passage that I would like to turn to uh, from one of the teachings of Jesus. And this comes directly from the testimony of Luke. Now, for those of you who don't know this, Luke was a doctor who lived in the first century. This is a man who heard and was changed by the teachings of Jesus. So he did his research and compiled an account of Jesus's ministry. In one of the many teachings of Jesus recorded by Luke during this time, this is what he said. And this is in the sixth chapter of Luke's testimony. It says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what's belonged to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So, turning the other cheek, getting hit twice, possibly more, not withholding things when people take from us, giving to those who will not give back to us, and Never demanding back what's taken from us, blessing those who curse us, and praying for those who mistreat you. Does it seem a bit impossible? I mean, honestly, like, let's be honest. Does it seem a little foolish too? You know, I kind of question the benefits of this the first time I read it because it just sounds like it places us in a really vulnerable space and, and an uncomfortable spot. It almost seems a completely opposite way of how many of us treat our adversaries currently. And so what are some of your initial thoughts on this strategy that, gives, that Jesus gives us? You no, know, why should we apply this change at all? So if I could, I'd like to look at this differently for a moment. I think that would be um, beneficial. Instead of doing this for our enemies, I want you to imagine Jesus was referring to your friends and family instead. Imagine he was charging those of you who are listening to love their friends and their family this way, to give to them when they're struggling or when they mistreat you. Would it be hard to do these things if it was for a loved one? Would you walk the extra mile for your son or your daughter or your father or your mother? Would you take a hit from them and stay present with them if you knew what it would lead to? Would you offer more to them if you knew that they were in need? For me, obviously, the answer to this is yes, obviously, because my in-laws are here, and I'm kind of scared to say anything else. (laughs) So I'd like to pause here just for a moment. So again, I'm a mental health therapist, and I primarily work with children and family in the Bristol area, and I commonly work with my clients through their social interactions and their self-esteem. As my office is in a public school, this is pretty much a daily thing that I deal with. And so when I'm sitting with these kids and listening to their difficulties that they're having with other people, it's very common for me to hear statements similar to, well, I'm better than they are. I was raised well, I respect my parents, and I get my homework done. And I do a lot of nice things for my friends. I'm a good person, they're the jerk. I feel like we know a lot of people who believe that doing good things is what makes you a good person. I hear this frequently. And who can blame them? Being a good person is a pretty good sounding goal. So if being good is the prize that a lot of us seem to have, or a lot that we hear very frequently, then wouldn't just doing all of these things Jesus spoke about, like turning the other cheek and you know, giving to other people, wouldn't this just be fulfilled by just doing it for those who are around us and that we love, like our friends and our family? We're doing all the nice things, so shouldn't, be that, shouldn't that be enough? Like, Why not simply just do these things to those that are around us, to those who have ch- we have chosen to spend our time with? Couldn't we still keep our adversaries at bay and do this and be good? So unfortunately, Jesus taught during a time that didn't have 30-second TikTok reels. So we have his full teaching, and we can't just, like, cut it there. So we actually have to read the full thing here. This is, you know, what happens when you have books and stuff. So he continues on in his point by saying this. He goes, if you love those who love you, then what credit is that to you? Even sinners or wicked people love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even wicked people do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect to be repaid, what credit is that to you? Even wicked people lend to other wicked people expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. This means that even the people we see as adversaries, they're doing the same thing to the people that they love. So the question is, where does that put us? Are we any better than our enemies or are we really the same? But Jesus said something critical here and I think I just want to take a moment to just focus on this. I think this is one of the most central things that he says. And a lot of times, I've read this before and I've heard a lot of people read this and they miss this. Jesus is telling us that God is loving to those who do not care for him. That he is kind and blesses those who are wicked and ungrateful even though they may never thank him for it and that he is calling us, those of us who are listening and want to be called children of God, children of the Most High, he's saying the mark of that is by loving and giving to those who will revile you, persecute you, and who will never give back to you. You know, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest friends and inner circle members of the disciples, says that God is love. And this means that love is an attribute of God and that God loves those who don't care for him. Now, that's what love is when the Bible speaks of love. Jesus is saying that the love he desires is a love with no strings attached, no desire for repayment and without making things even. See, this is what separates the world when the world says what love is and what God says it is. Love is not just for those who are like us. It is for those who hate us and for those who we might hate. You know, Pastor Clark taught us last week, for those of us who are here, on how the Christian movement altered history so quickly and with such power because people gave to one another and they loved one another. And here we learn that they did not just do this by loving those whom they liked, They gave and loved on all of those who were around them, so much so that it changed the world because no one was safe from their love. That is the love of Christ. You know, one of the reasons I accepted to speak on this passage is because of how much I needed this in my life. And you'll hear this very frequently with people who come up and speak, or at least I hope that you do. You know, I realized that as a person who claims to follow Jesus, I was consciously choosing to live against what he had asked of me. As a seminary student who thought he, you know, understood everything in the Bible, I realized that if I'm not loving and giving to those who hate me, then I'm not following Jesus' commands. I'm just trying to look good by claiming to know a lot of Bible. But in reality, if I don't do this, it shows that I really don't. It was when I fully acknowledged that... (laughs) As someone who claimed to follow his word, I was avoiding this area because I thought the rest would be good enough. Or that hopefully God would be more impressed with all my other good deeds. I was okay with judging my enemies from afar and keeping them at bay. And I kept making excuses of why I'm better than them. In a way, I was completely doing away with them in my mind as a way to make myself feel better. And then I realized very quickly that Jesus had such an issue with religious people that did this and that they didn't, people who didn't love on others that were outside of their circle. He never liked people like this because they weren't like him. And I realized that if I continued in this, I would be presenting a very different Jesus to the world than what the Bible says that he was and who he is. So if we're serious about following Jesus and trusting him and loving like him, How are we gonna do this? Because changing from avoiding our enemies to loving them is a pretty big deal. So in order to love our enemies, it requires us to be intentionally courageous to see our enemies as God sees them, as his children whom he loves, just like you and me. Intentionality brings self-control, and before self-control comes self-understanding. That's a little therapist, little tip for everybody. Jesus' love was intentional. And we can see that through his life. And the primary way Jesus did this was through prayer. Jesus prayed multiple times a day. He would often disappear into the mountains to pray before doing something big. And then he would then pray afterwards again because what he did was so difficult. He would pray before and after. And so I think we need to do the same. Jesus dedicated himself to what God called him to do before and after every single situation. Prayer unites us with our goal. It's not just for asking for things, it's rededicating ourselves to our mission. And so, praying before and after any kind of difficult situation redirects us and then reminds us of why we did it. And then, I think we need to understand and identify who our enemies are. This is that self understanding individually who is someone that you constantly butt heads with or has hurt you repeatedly that you just can't seem to forgive maybe it's someone you forgave but have made the conscious effort to just keep them out of your life completely i have plenty of those that fit that description and then as a church and this is the this is a huge thing as a church who are our enemies I think a shortcut to answer this question is just to ask the question in reverse. And it's church, which groups of people see the church as their enemy? Those are the people we need to be loving on and giving to. The people who hate us and want to shut us down. That's the group of people we need to love on. So how can we be intentional with them? How can we be intentionally loving? You see, in all of the examples that Jesus gave in Luke's testimony, turning the other cheek, giving and walking the extra mile, every single one of them, and even if you read the rest of Scripture, all of the times you see Jesus intentionally loving on other people, he was present with them. And he gave to them. Jesus used his presence as a way to bridge the gap. At least from my understanding of this Scripture, you can't love the way Jesus loved by being distant. You have to be present. You know, there's a section of the letter from James, Jesus's brother, that is, I just think is so powerful to this point because it really reminds us of how important this is. And James says to those of them in the Christian community he was speaking to, he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if another is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror And when he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres being a hearer, not one who forgets, but a doer who acts, they will be blessed in their doing. In essence, this means if we walk away from today and we don't apply this to our life, we will have wasted our time it would have been like we never heard it in the first place. We never came to church and we didn't hear this teaching. It just comes in one ear, out the other one. You know, a famous teaching from the Apostle Paul says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Christ has charged those who follow him to love how he loved, not just to know a lot of Bibles. So coming into Sunday mornings, just listening and going on with their life and not applying it, That's not what he called us to be. You know, Pastor Clark taught us a few weeks ago that Christ's love is not about information. It's about transformation. So we here at Valleybrook, we hear this frequently. And so we want to make sure that we are doers of the word and that we are lovers. That we're not just focused on being good, but we're focused on being loving. Our mission at Valley Brook is to love God, love people, and change the world. And it's really, how f- it's really funny how simple this is, and yet absolutely profound. Because if you love God, and then you love people the way that God loves you, a love that does not require repayment, and a love for those who hate you, it's going to change the world. So what stops us from being intentional and loving? I have to ask that. Is it our ego? Is it our fear of vulnerability? Are we afraid of being harmed and taken advantage of or losing our possessions that we've built so much and put so much of our our heart into? I just want to think for a moment. Ask yourself this question then. What can love do? Imagine what we could do as a church if we were bold in our humility with our enemies if we robed ourselves in forgiveness instead of revenge and hatred and the pride of mind, can we embrace those who stand against us and give to them generously? Can we find strength in humility and self-control? Maybe at the very least, we reform the hatred and revenge that's in our own hearts and one less vengeful heart, just imagine the good that can come from that. See, that is Jesus' love. That's the power of it, individually and in the world. Now, I just want to make one last important note. Christ is not calling us to allow people to abuse us or consistently take advantage of us. He is not calling us to be taken captive by others, but for the captive to be set free. Loving in this way sets us free. But it is in no way calling us to be enslaved by other people. You know, for those of you who are not Christians, this is not required of you. But Jesus offers this to all those who hear his voice. So if this looks desirable to you, try it out and let us know how it goes. If you want to follow Jesus, he's always open to you. And it doesn't take any special words or anything. It's just a conscious decision to follow what he says. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, this is required of us. For Christ's love is not simply a passive attribute. Christ is love, and this is what his love looks like. So I just want to pray as we, as we consider everything that we've learned today and just ask God for the strength and the intentionality to be able to love our enemies and give to them, and to those who hate us and will never give back to us. So dear Lord, thank you so very much for this opportunity that we have here to come together to read your word and to just realign ourselves with your mission. You've given us a snippet here of what your love looks like and you can reform our hearts over the next few weeks as we attempt to apply this to our life. God, help us to be hearers and doers, not just hearers alone. Lord, help us to love those who hate us. It is a very difficult job and can be only done with your help. And so we ask for your help and we ask us that as we go into the rest of our, you know, our week this week, that you remind us of whom we could love, whether it's a group of people or an individual. We thank you for your love and we ask as we do this that you change the world through your love because this is not our love we're trying to show off. It's your love. We thank you and we love you in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.